hello to everybody out there. This is another episode of Black in the Maritimes. This is my lovely co-host. Hey, I'm Hillary. <laughs> and my name is Clinton Davis. For the first time in Black in the Maritimes history, I believe, Fidel is absent from an episode. So this is the first episode in about five years. Uh, he is enjoying his last day down in the Dominican Republic, spending some time with fam. So we thought we'd go at it and do this one alone. We'll start off doing something we haven't done in a while, and that is just tell the listeners out there a little bit about ourselves. Um, people who tune in, they hear us speak from week to week, but since some sort of our introductory episodes, which are about an hour, hour and a half long, you can go back over the years and then find those. People don't really know who we are. So Hillary, why don't you tell us a little bit about who you are? <laughs> Hillary, who are you? <laughs> um, Hillary, 27. Um, I've been telling the world that I'm bisexual, but I think I recently had a revelation that I'm actually pansexual because I also find trans people attractive. So why am I limiting myself? So you heard that here, I guess, first. Um, cat mom living in Toronto, mixed Senegalese, Acadian, working in communications um, as my career for the almost two full years now current role for almost five months though on Friday I will be celebrating two years completely sober from drugs and I'm friggin pumped about that we'll probably cry a lot on Friday um and what else kid of a single mom just doing out here doing her best living that podcast life I think that's it I think that's what's important about me Clinton, what's important about you? <laughs> I'm sure there's a whole lot more to you, and I'm sure I'm going to leave out a lot about myself. I really need to practice talking about myself more, but <laughs> I'll give this a go. I'm a Torontonian raised interracial individual who, you know, grew up and had a great life in Toronto and moved out to New Brunswick about 11 years ago. And now I still have a pretty good life. Uh, there's been so many downs and ups and roller coasters and crazy stuff. I won't say my age, but I've lived a long and crazy complex life full of drama and awesomeness and trials and tribulations. And here we are. I'm a family man, serial entrepreneur for sure, um, business owner with about five projects on the go, lifelong musician, into real estate a bit. Uh, something I've never mentioned, I'm like a big science and technology nerd. <laughs> I could love tech and science, sci-fi, and I'm a dad of six, so I have a pretty busy life, and uh, we try to keep it all balanced. Uh, I live on a farm now. I moved out to the country, and yeah, my life's been, you know, working in bar industry, like fine dining restaurants, because that's what all musicians and actors and everything do when you live in Toronto. Uh, I didn't go to university, so it was a lot of school of hard knocks for me. And yeah, but still come from, you know, a good family, black mom, <laughs> black dad, white mom, <laughs> did live in Jamaica for eight years. Growing up in Toronto was interesting, though, because it was hard to identify myself. Um, People didn't really, who didn't know me, didn't necessarily assume right away I was black or white, which I'm obviously not visually. People would ask me if I'm Cuban, Puerto Rican, Mexican, mm -hmm. Somalian, Ethiopian, Eritrean, uh, and then sometimes Jamaican, Middle Eastern, um, Iraq from Iraq, everything. So it was really crazy. Yeah, I mean, it depends on what my hair style would be, what I was wearing, if I was bald, like it would be hard to tell. Uh, that's a little bit about me. 
me. I hope I covered a few things. And yeah, that's me. Definitely um, said more than what I knew about. And I will say I've also since moving to Toronto while working in shoppers, a lot of different women would come in and ask if I was Ethiopian as uh, Ethiopian as well because of my like this my specific skin tone and then they would all be like oh Senegalese like that makes sense and I'd be like okay <laughs> I have no idea but thank you yes yeah I, I imagine growing up in New Brunswick for you people just assumed you were black it was yeah the conversation was always like it was instantly black card no one cared about mixed but then also always coupled with the age of my mom since she gave birth to me at 43 so it was also is this your grandmother did she adopt you on top of being black? So there was like ageism mixed in with a hint of the racism, which added a weird dimension because I think that made my mom even more reluctant to talk about it. I don't know if she felt a certain kind of shame or like embarrassedness about how old she was when she gave birth. But yeah, people just, no one ever was like had any regionalisms associated with my skin tone. It was just like, oh, you're black. And I was like, Yes. <laughs> Thank Inter you. Interesting, because I've heard you talk a lot about how people associated you um, mm -hmm. growing up, and you will always bring into it your mother. Uh, so is this like early childhood? Because like, you say coupled with the fact that I had an older mother, but strangers and people you just met wouldn't know that, or you wouldn't always be with your mom. I guess that was, you were with your mom a lot when you were younger, so there was that association. Wait, what, what about when you got into your teen years, when you just met people? Did they just um, assume you were black or did they ask, I guess were they curious so. about? Mm -hmm. I think, I think what you're forgetting is the fact that my mom uh, Stockholm syndromed me and was obsessed with Worked me. And I was What? And worked at your school. And worked at my school. So everybody, right. yeah. everyone who was a colleague of my mom would ask like about adoption or how she met my dad and that whole admittedly very weird story and wanted to know. Even before that, my godmother was my eighth grade teacher. So they wanted to sort of know how my godmother had a black goddaughter since we were so few in the city at the time. And I think that also seemed weird to my godmother's colleagues before they were also my mom's colleagues. And then when I went to high school, like a lot of, I mean, a lot of the kids just went, came with me. It was the same, a lot of the same class, I would say. I don't know. I, I don't remember a lot of the kids that I met when I started at Trimble saying anything other than like you're black, not asking about like where from. Um, I remember all these weird, like we, the weird jokes and Oreo and like all these weird terms. And then everyone wanting to be able to get an N-word pass and saying stuff like that. People joking that I had been born in the backseat of a car one time. Um, kid drew swastika on my eraser and then had to bake me cookies in the third grade. Um, which his mom baked me the cookies. Like he wasn't baking the, the fucking cookies, but okay. <laughs> um, <laughs> oh, his mom made him do that to apologize. Yeah. The, so the apology <laughs> was he showed up the next day with a plate of cookies. And then my, I just remember my mom being like, you know, damn fucking well, that was Karen. And that wasn't this kid. <laughs> and I was like, yeah, but we have cookies now. Like I was yeah so interesting because um again to listeners who don't know hillary and i grew up in different provinces but we both had a black father and a white mm -hmm. mother um i grew up i was lucky enough to grow up with both my parents in our home with my siblings and um i grew up in a neighborhood that i can like right off the top of my bat i can think of 
people from 12 different countries that lived there. I guess my schools were always multicultural, but probably mostly white people still. And even in my older years, you know how you have a lot of people on your Facebook from your younger days. Like I'm learning that these people that I knew throughout most of my early life were from so many more countries than I even imagined. And it's just something I didn't think about as a child or teenager. I definitely had, you know, I think I have some racist comments in my year books as well. And when you're like sometimes black, but probably an interracial kid, you don't necessarily know where you fit in uh, in high school. And you kind of hang out with, I don't know about you, black kids a bit, <laughs> the white kids. I know I bounced from all kinds of different circles, from like the hippies to the cool kids, to the, the nerds, to the potheads and just stuff like that. Um, so I think more so than other kids, when you're an interracial person, trying to find out who you are becomes a whole different dynamic. But we might talk about that a little bit later on. Um, sure. I think you had some juicy gossip from the Moncton, New Brunswick region you wanted to talk about today. I have some unfortunate COVID juicy gossip. Um and it might not be that juicy at this point. It was news to me. So I, first of all, got a call that they're starting the booster shots in the old people because they mm-hmm. wanted to know if my mom wanted to get hers. Um, so they're doing third doses. And then simultaneously, somebody called me to let me know that they know one of the people who has recently passed away from COVID. And I heard all of this, the the story around that, that one of the like smaller old folks homes um, that only has like 20 or 30 people, apparently a nurse and this like not to blame anyone, everyone did the most that they could, but it sounds like this nurse's child had contracted it because they were not vaccinated because they were under a certain age, brought it home to the mom who had no symptoms, who then went to work, who then somehow passed it on to six elderly people at this home, including my friend's grandmother and the boyfriend of the grandmother and the boyfriend passed away um, due to COVID, unfortunately, and is one of the deaths in New Brunswick, which is extremely sad. Um, And just apparently also very strange that they like the, um, I don't, I will, I'll blame Blaine. I will blame Blaine Higgs. That's that's the I just came up with that yesterday and I was like, how did I not think blame Higgs? Like can, can, blame can Higgs. someone meme that? I know there's a New Brunswick memer. Can we can we get him to blame Higgs? Blame Higgs. Something. Maybe start um, a hashtag for the 2024 elections. Sorry, that's um, that's actually a really sad story. It's not juicy gossip at all. I didn't know what you were gonna say. Well, my juicy on. gossip yeah, was the so. booster shot, but yeah, I guess. Uh, we're going to bl- blame Higgs that um, <laughs> there hasn't been enough funding because I guess the staff at this specific home has been like not core and rotating so much. that when these people called to confirm that this person passed away, even though there's only like 20 people at the home, they had to double check like the name and the room and go through a whole thing just to make sure they knew what person everyone was speaking about. And it's not like my mom's home where there's hundreds um, so super unfortunate. My gossipy part about the booster is sort of in partnership with Justin Trudeau saying, you know, that there's going to be a Canadian passport across the board uh, with a QR code for all of the provinces and that that will help with international travel. 
are we to assume that this third booster shot will also be required and the first and second wouldn't be enough to go overseas? I have a lot of questions. That is a great question because it's natural to think that it would progress towards that eventually, Mm -hmm. especially as new variants come out and as COVID spreads. Um, You know, a lot of the conspiracy theories that we heard about in the beginning um, actually materialized and turned out to be true. They're just in a slightly different way. Like I remember way back in the beginning of COVID with restrictions, there was all these rumors about concentration camps being built uh, near the airports to hold. And, you know, that the term concentration camp made it seem, you know, Nazi-ish. Yes. But it turned out that there were camps later on in which if you were not, uh, I believe, vaccinated or something, you had to stay there. Like you could, the army was there and you couldn't leave the airport for X amount of days. You had to be shipped off to a specific hotel and stuff. Right. Yeah. So I wonder, I wonder if the third booster is going to be included in the vaccine passport. Um, did you, I, I, I won't ask, I was going to ask if uh, you decided to give your mom the third booster, but that's no, private I'll- information. No, no, I'll share. Of course. I like she's, she's about to be 71 and in December we'll be entering her seventh year with dementia. I count my blessings every year that we've had this many years with dementia. Cause I don't know how long you can live with that illness. Um, so I'm like, I definitely said yes. Also just in terms of, I would worry about, you know, the the frailty of everyone else who's there. I wouldn't want, I don't know, like people do like visit my mom. My godmother does her second cousin does. I would hate for my mom to, without that booster, be a vector to other people somehow, especially with what, with what's going on at this other nursing home. Um, I'm a little worried because with her second, (laughs) with her second dose, she almost died. And I'm not even exaggerating because they did call me and say, she might not make it. We've never seen her in this state. And so I'm a little worried that the booster is just going to keel her over, but I will assume not and that she's going to be fine. And when the time comes, I will also get it so that I can go see her because she is currently my priority, which is a weird dynamic, but I'll take it. So yeah, I did sign her up for it. Um, they called while I was on the train and then sent an email out to everybody saying that they would be getting them, I believe this week. So I don't know how long it'll take before they start to encourage able-bodied, non-immunocompromised regular citizens to be next on the list. Um, given how long it took the last time, who knows what's happening now. It is the same thing that she received as well. So she was double vaxxed with Moderna and it's going to be Moderna again. I don't know if it's because that's what she had before. I don't know if what the science behind getting a Pfizer Moderna and then a different booster is, or what kind of configurations can happen there because I didn't continue science in university. I flunked chemistry in university, though I did major in chemistry in university for a full year. Um, So yeah, I'm just keeping my fingers crossed. It does feel like all of the things that the vaccinated people have been saying to the unvaccinated people of like, this is just temporary until COVID (laughs) ends and you should get vaccinated to help move this along quicker. But because they're taking so long, I'm a little worried that we're just going to live this way where we will have to provide um, immunization records to go to, you know, Germany, Sweden, Greece, wherever the heck we want to go and to be able to live our lives. Had to show record of vaccination for all the activities I did this weekend here in Toronto. So 
feels a little bit like a new norm and I don't know that it's going to go away. Yeah, it may not. It may go away in a year, five years, 10 years, 20 years, or this may be the new norm. I mean, yeah, it's hard. I see both sides of the coin. I'm, I'm yeah. double vaccinated, but I see both sides of the coin and I see where, why there's the resistance, not just to masks and not just to vaccines, but to people who think it's part of a, a bigger picture, <laughs> a, a shift in society and a, a seizure of government control over the people. Um, sort of like these, these novels you read about where um, of a dystopian future or i think that's the wrong term um no dystopians right because utopian is the good so dystopian's bad right but i mean like you i lost my train of thought there but so i'll go on to something else uh yeah so the third booster is coming up for seniors and then there'll be us and then there's the whole other dynamic if there's any parents listening here that it's now we are going to start after considering whether we're going to vaccinate our kids five to twelve i happen to have three kids between that age and you know that's a weird feeling i got both my vaccines i don't think there's going to be any dangerous side effects for them i wasn't first in line that's for sure mm -hmm. uh definitely not last in line either but it's like okay like i don't know if i'll be first in line to get my kids vaccinated i kind of want to let that data roll in it's a really weird feeling um if there's yeah if there's parents listening I, i'd love to hear their thoughts on that in the comments or something like that um and the other thing i was going to say oh regarding government control mm -hmm. is you know global catastrophes uh and global things lead to permanent changes in society that the government promises us are only temporary, like taxes in North America, for instance. Taxes were created during World War One as a temporary measure to help fund the war and support the troops. And boom, here we are a hundred later, years later, taxed more than we have ever been taxed before. Yeah. So, you know, the we feel good because we're the people, quote unquote, doing what's right, doing what the science says, doing our part. At the other end of it, it's hard not to see, you know, I think all of us have a rebel in us. And mm -hmm. we're, I think we're the people who have older parents and people to protect are more inclined to fall in line. But I mean, yeah, I mean, someone's got a someone in society has got to has to fight back and try to slow down what the government's trying to do. I think it is for the, the better good of public interest at this point. But the question you brought up is a good one. Where is it going to just keep we told everyone this is temporary and it hasn't been at all. So where is it going to go from here? Are we going to actually get those freedoms back or is it just the masks might go away, but is it going to be stricter, stricter, stricter control? Like, do we need to get body scans before we go into a building in the future when that technology advances and yeah. stuff like that? I'm, I think in like the, the conversation I've been having with a few of my friends that aren't vaccinated is I, I think that I just have a, a weird perspective as someone with so many intersectionalities. Like I've never believed that the government was on my side. I, I don't yeah. find this behavior to be shocking. Like if we had conversations not that long ago about um, photos being taken of black people at BLM marches and being cross-referenced with police data, then how is a vaccine passport really infringing that much on my rights if I can't go to a protest and maybe have a photo of me be compared with data in a, in a police database so is it really all that different i don't think i ever believed the government was on my side i have a social insurance number i have a license i know that they know everything that i do um and i think that 
the question about falling in line or not, like I, you've got to pick your battles. I'm survival of the fittest. I am one little gal out here for the moment trying to keep her cat alive. And until it gets to hunger games, I'm going to conserve my energy <laughs> and then we'll see what happens. If I need to start like wielding a hammer for now, I'm just going to pack on the calories and eat cookies and try to bolster up all my energy until like a real fight comes. But I, like the people who just find this like really shocking, I definitely don't i do think that it is supposed to be for the betterment of society getting vaccinated and protecting the elderly i can see where the slippery slope is though i just don't find it shocking behavior from the one percent that benefited from the pandemic the whole time anyway absolutely yeah so we'll have to continue to monitor obviously and see what happens we live in a crazy world speaking of a crazy world (laughs) i yeah i uh there's been some interesting news last in the past week that has really captured my interest (laughs) once again because our old friend donald trump (laughs) resurfacing he is definitely back in the headlines again harder hardcore uh with the announcement of the new social media platform he is attempting to watch now you know I definitely called this back in January uh, in our podcast, uh, January 27th. You can look back. It's called Kamala Happy, Jason Kenny Mad. And you have the exact timestamp because I would be really impressed. Oh, I totally looked it up. Yeah, because I I was back when that happened during the January 6th riots and when Trump was banned from Twitter and Facebook and social media, we obviously talked about it on the show Mm -hmm. and, you know, it really concerned me. I thought it maybe wasn't the best idea because I felt that, you know, banning Trump and all his followers from social media is going to only motivate him, them to, I didn't know it was going to be Trump, but I said, you know, they're going to start their own social media network and they're going to rise up and they're going to have it under their own control, meaning they're going to put the content they want on it. There's not going to be sort of any regulation from, I guess, liberal CEO. Yeah, liberal or democratic groups. So you have all the Trump followers that are now being silenced because Trump is no longer on social media. They don't have their 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 tyrant to follow after. Mm-hmm. And they're looking for some way to still express their anger and their rage. Like they, there's suddenly not less racist people in America. They're all kind of just sitting around waiting for Trump to come back and lead them again. And now he has the opportunity to do that. So I'll tell everyone if you haven't heard a little bit about what um, this network is. Uh, and then I'd love to hear your opinions on it and i think even though fidel's not here i think i know a bit of what his opinions on this so i'll I'll guess at what he might say about that (laughs) but um so yeah donald trump is launching a social media network called truth social which i also find funny Mm -hmm. to stand up to the tyranny of big tech however within the first week his network was already accused of violating terms and agreements for certain pre-programmed coding that they used from other networks uh and they were warned that they have 30 days to comply or i believe be fined or taken to court or shut down they launched a beta version or private version on the internet. And within hours of it being launched, hackers from the group Anonymous totally tore apart and hacked the social media site to the point where they had to pull it down right away. Uh, They created a few different fake accounts. They uploaded pictures of pigs defecating (laughs) over everything, uh, created a fake Donald Trump account and stuff like that. So it's pulled down currently, but there's plans to bring it back up. 
Um, this is a really interesting piece of news. Just in the past couple of days, a company called Digital World Acquisition Corp announced plans to take the social media network public. Uh, so they're on the stock market. And within a day, the, this company's stock price skyrocketed 400% from only $10 a share to about $132 a share. So what that means is that there's definitely some serious interest in this company and its potential to be successful and make money. I don't know if those gains were made from big companies investing in the stock or Donald Trump's followers, anyone who might be into the stock market, all buying into this idea because they are just so gung-ho to get on social media, say what the hell they want, organize, spread hate, um, you know, spread those radical views and i it, it still scares me because uh, i should have got your opinion first it just it scares okay. me because i'm afraid of there's already such a big huge divide among people due to social media and i'm just afraid of what this is going to create in america especially with trump probably running for politics again um Hillary, what are your thoughts on this all i definitely not shocking you called it i'm not surprised <laughs> I i'm but you called it you did um i i love that anonymous was like right there on the scene Uh, homies anonymous great time um i wouldn't be surprised if people bought shares that maybe don't support the vision of it but know it's going to take off and want the money like I wouldn't want to support them, but at the same time, I know that this is going to probably be successful. And if I wanted the bag, I would the ten dollars a share. Sign me the fuck up. Um, <laughs> so um, I guess I would hope that because like, you can't really police who joins these groups. And I assume that people like Anonymous will continue to try to take it down and hack it, and maybe they will beef it up and make it stronger, whatever. But there, there's also hopefully room in that for regular people who just want to know what's going on for their own safety to be able to see the content that's there and share it. I have a feeling if America is smart at all or actually cares about its civilians that, you know, the police and the FBI and other people are probably going to also be joining under aliases as well to make sure that they aren't inciting more hate, riots, coups on the White House, et cetera, because it's going to be the only way to keep the country safe. But yeah, it's not surprising that when you've got a series of websites that are run by third-party people and not um, the, the government or the police that are trying to monitor and eradicate hate speech, that you would then have a, an opposing force that comes out to, to just spew hate speech. Like, of course, there is going to be that competitor in the market. There is yeah. room for it. So it does naturally make sense. Um, at the same time, you know, like the government, if I understand correctly, seems to be up Mark Zuckerberg's ask about everything that is going on at, at Facebook and beefing up their policies. So I would assume that this truth media, whatever, would also have to answer to some sort of government policy if they were to put that in place, if they're smart enough to put things like that in place that ban 
hate speech from all of these businesses before this can really get up and running. But of course, like, like you said, there is racism abound all over the world. Of course, people are going to want to join this to spew hate. People are going to want to join it to see what hate is being spewed. Um, I sense that, you know, if this gets off the ground, there will be a barrage of memes and TikToks and things created about the wildness that is there that will probably be slightly funny, but also probably also really horrifying um, and deeply concerning. And I will probably feel the same horror that I felt when the KKK (laughs) rose out of like Charleston the night that Donald Trump first got elected. And I was like, oh shit, we're still here and nothing's changed because I don't, nothing has changed. Nothing has changed. Yeah. Um, Yeah. It's quite triggering for me to, I mean, it was fun and also horrifying to know that Trump was going to be in the news every single second and every single day of your life. And there's been this breath of air of just like, I don't know what's going on in the States. I don't know what Joe Biden's doing. I'm happy about that. (laughs) That's all good with me. Um, So if we talked about this a bit yesterday, and I think if Fidel was here, he pointed Mm -hmm. out that, you know, tech is hard. Um, Technology is hard. Tech companies are hard. Running a tech company is hard. Security is hard. Um, So I don't know if this new company is going to be able to fix those problems and keep the site from being able to be hacked. Um, And usually to build tech, you have to build off other tech and partner with other um, people of licenses and technologies. And I guess you can, I guess this is a bit of my opinion and what I think Fidel would say. borrow patents to do that. But one really important thing that he pointed out that is that websites aside, um, in order for the social media site to make any ground anywhere, they have to be able to be displayed on things like Google Chrome browser or be authorized to be in the Windows store or on the Google Play store on an Android phone or able to be downloaded by an iPhone. So those companies are still kind of the gatekeepers to allowing any new technology to have mass adaptation. Um, So we'll see if there can be partnerships worked out, if they'll be able to, if they'll even allow Trump to to let this spread because back then that's what the guys had said when i brought all this up they said that will never happen it'll never happen um, it doesn't matter how many were you on that episode hillary i, I skimmed so, through yeah. it yeah yeah okay it was five of us it was all five of us that episode um so that could still happen but it sounds like it's moving forward like they plan to launch in the first quarter of 2022 i have a I have a question for you. Um, sure. But can I have Trump- a funny, I have a funny comment first. Please. Wouldn't it be hilarious if Donald Trump outsourced to China getting his <laughs> own like phones and iOSs made so that he could just have that app exist on like, like an old like brick Nokia. <laughs> <laughs> can you imagine? <laughs> Available now. Place make and spread hate. Nokia. Yeah, LG. <laughs> Blackberry. Oh, Blackberry Messenger comes back and it's just like using Trump. a QWERTY keyboard to say, damn them niggas. Oh, shit. Can you imagine? Anyway. I could see Black. I, I was so hardcore Blackberry for so long. I actually just I I still miss that phone. But uh, they, they fucked up a lot. So I could see them letting that happen, too, to be honest with you. Um, I Hopefully they're not listening. Don't get any ideas. But if you do, give me the bag. This is my moment to be you. I'm claiming I'm claiming this. If it happens in 2022 that they're like, we've released the racism phone, I'm going to be like, I called it off the podcast. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Um, 
What's your question? I, I hope I can remember <laughs> it, but I was wondering about that too. Okay, so this the Truth Network, sure, it's going to take off in the states, but that's actually really it's a big market, but it's also a small market. Like Facebook yeah. applications all over the world, Instagram, TikTok, Twitter, all over the world. Mm-hmm. The Truth Network dedicated to taking down big tech in America and spreading Donald Trump's truth. I don't think it's going to. For what it's worth, I think it'll have enough followers to cause serious problems in the States. I don't know if it'll ever be a competitor with any of these other things. And like you just said, yeah, he'd have to be able to build his own phones, his own computers, browse, internet browser, search engine. We'll see. I think at best, I think it's going to be dangerous if it takes off. Because yeah, that's, what it's designed, that's what it's designed to be. Yeah, it'll be dangerous future. in the States. I don't. I doubt on a global scale, like if it were to become available again, I feel like people would download it to be like, how is this a real thing? I don't know how many people across the whole world with all of the different cultures and problems that exist out there that we don't even know about because that's their news that would have the time that in their day to be like, yeah, I'm okay right now. The hate speech that Donald Trump is spewing in the States, maybe they'll find it, you know, it could be the new keeping up with the Kardashians, maybe over in Iraq, they're going to find this to be funny and interesting and they'll all download it to make fun of Americans um, and make them the butt of the joke. But I don't know that globally people would download it in like all in like real seriousness to be like, yeah, fuck those guys. <laughs> yeah. We'll have to see. Uh, I have a question for you, though. And I mean, regarding how dangerous it could be, like Trump made massive gains uh, and polarized the world in America, especially, or continue to just by using Twitter and Facebook. And I would say that, like, would you say that sort of the downfall of Trump and the fact that he didn't get elected was due to the fact that they started restricting his content, censoring his content, fact-checking everything he said, removing things that he said off these social media giants. If he was successful with the platform in which nothing would be taken down, nothing would be restricted. Like, yeah, FBI might be investigating. Like, what is the potential for that? Yeah, I, d- I feel like part of his downfall was the fact that he was like, COVID's not a thing and then caught it. And until people, like, unless his voters would forget that the whole pandemic side of the election, then maybe he would get reelected. Like, the the dangerous part about this can be anything. Like, if he could very well decide that, you know, people at his rally get to, I don't know, unlock some secret part of the app that lets you, I don't know, print your you're own You're giving these guys ideas confederation yeah. flags for your truck or something <laughs> nfts get yeah. confederate flag. yes you never know um i mean if if it were to be successful it could be anything i don't know how much of his downfall was contributed to him being censored on social media because i'd like to make the joke that how many of his followers are really that literate hmm. and how much of his posts were literate in the first place he like he just spewed a lot of crazy hate i think that the people who really paid attention to that were into the whole um just like like almost television aspect of this guy and not really anything to do with the hate speech i think that maybe they thought that this billionaire guy was really going to save them from recession economy problems whatever and so I don't think they really cared what they had to say, but I would assume if you're talking to like poor people from the South with Confederate flags, I don't know how much they cared about Twitter. I think they saw an opportunity to be racist by him even being elected and fuck Twitter and fuck Facebook. We've got basically,
basically, we've got someone literally financially endorsed by the KKK in the White House, all things go. Who cares what he says on social media? That's how I see it. So I don't know if developing this app is going to really give him an uptick politically just because I think if he runs again, like it was so close that unless Biden does a lot of good, I would sense that those, I don't know how many of the 70 million that voted for Trump would suddenly. 140 million. Was it 70? I thought it was 70, 71 for a total of 140. That would make more sense. Yep. Go on. Sorry. No, it's okay. Um, yeah, so I, I just think that, like, I don't know how many people are going to be swayed into liberal that did vote for Trump if he does successfully run again. Would it not also be up to the Republican Party to allow him to represent them again? And wouldn't wasn't that all like, would that happen after the incitement? Would they? Yeah, they would. It would have to be up to them. I think in the end, I think they would go with whatever they thought their best bet was at the time. And that's all it is. That being said, a lot can change in four years. He might not even be fit to run in four years. And also... Biden might be dead in four years. We'll count oh, on Kamala. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no offense, Joe Biden. I think you're... Don't say your I called that. Don't don't say I called that in 2022 if, I, if that happens. We'll just let that one that one slide under the rug. It'll just marinate um, over there. <laughs> I wonder if he... I wonder, do you think he wants to be president again? Or does he just want to be a richer man? Considering all of the tax stuff that came out after, probably just a richer man. But he also, with that power, got away with so much. He incited a riot. Didn't they announce this week that he's suing the White House for the incitement of the thing on Capitol Hill when literally his words are what got people murdered? And now he's suing them. uh, See, I'm getting the headache again. Like, if anything, he's such a character. I I really would disagree with anyone who would say he's stupid. I think he's a good actor. He's a celebrity. He's an entertainer. He's a businessman that wants to make money. He's not stupid. He's very smart unfortunately and Um, i i think it's a lot of people who voted for that character and not for any of the politics they maintain like the same type of people who voted for the the fords here in ontario yeah mayor doing crack (laughs) yeah and i mean on like now that it's been a year i mean we never wanted to talk about this at all and maybe still not but uh you know i i wouldn't say that i think you just alluded to this i wouldn't say that everybody who liked trump followed trump um voted for trump are necessarily hateful people who are racist and hate immigrants and women and women's rights and equality i think they believed in the other things he stood for and what uh, republicans stood for in general and just wanted to see republicans in power because they don't like democrats at the same time though you really have to turn a blind eye to a lot of shit shitty behavior shitty actions um and potentially shitty things that could really harm people too. Like, so the people that there's people that support Trump and are hateful racists who want to take to the street and kill people. But like, you really have to, I'm trying to be nice to those people. No, <laughs> stop. <laughs> but if you are turning a blind eye to that other stuff, I mean, there's a huge level of ignorance and, you know, just what's the word I'm looking for? It's I don't know the exact Will, word you're, blissful. Yeah, bl- oh, yeah. Bl- there's ignorance and bliss, blissful ignorance. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Of course. I like. I you can say to somebody you're not racist because you've never out loud said the n word or burned a cross. But if you let someone like that in power who was financially supported by the KKK, that is too racism adjacent to not be an act of racism. If you elect 
somebody who literally said, grab them by the pussy. You can't then say you're a feminist just because you've never raped somebody. Like, that's not how it works. Yeah. So that's, <laughs> yeah. that's actually what I was just about to allude to. Now, I don't know if this was in the States and I think it was or somewhere else, but wasn't there just a story in the news in the past week or two about a woman being raped on a train and the amount of bystanders that did nothing about it. So we can talk about that. We should talk about that for a few minutes. Is this news to you? No, I okay. read about One it sec. on the train, and oh, I was like, gosh. "I got oh, go. oh, oh, jeez, I was oh, like, that's bad. <laughs> yeah, that's really bad. Um, yeah, it is. But very I mean, that's bad. parallel to saying like it's like watching Trump do what he did yeah. and not saying anything and turning a blind eye. Is that as bad as that in a way? Like the people who have voted for him, who think they're good people, and maybe they are in a lot of aspects are ignoring that aspect. It's like you're watching a human being, like Mexican babies in jails. You yeah, know you're that that's watching happening. your country get raped in the name of the economy. You're not a good person. <laughs> or conservatism, yeah. Yeah, that's how um, I feel. Because like the majority of people who've said anything to me about supporting Trump have been talking about the economy and business and what he can do for jobs. And then I'm right. like, okay, <laughs> but people die because he incited a riot. He's outwardly racist against queer people, makes fun of people with disabilities, talks about women in a misogynistic way, in a very disgusting way. What? Like, uh, at what point is money worth more than just like basic human decency and morals? Absolutely. So that's my take on that. Those are things I've had to reconcile with. Like I've growing up, I've always had slightly conservative views in the sense that, you know, I don't necessarily believe in excessive spending and passing down debt to our children and grandchildren and stuff like that. But it's all about spending. It's all about the economy. It's all about getting out of debt. Um, but then over the years, I've looked around and I've, I've realized the need for social services um, and also like less taxes and government backing out of my life and minding their business. That's like a really conservative point of view. But at the same time, I, I realized the situation of society, um, of the social services that are needed for people in poverty and with mental health issues uh, and stuff like mm -hmm. that. And also just sort of the anti-humanitarian views the conservative party has and so I, i'm thinking like you can't base your political decisions based on economy and money and jobs yeah. um so if you have those you have to I definitely think my views are moving more towards socialists in the past years and it's the same thing like if you're a conservative republican who is a christian and you are following trump for those reasons like you just you can't turn a blind eye if he, if he runs in the next few years and you're anyone in the states is hearing this you ha you can't turn a blind eye to the other things people are more especially if you're a real christian people are more important than any of that stuff and i just personally think that i don't know it's like watching a woman get raped on the train yeah. voting for trump yeah a that's little gonna bit our, that's gonna be our, our campaign slogan on our page if we're still doing this in four years we have to put like an asterisk oh, for the no. a or there has to be oh, a big trigger warning <laughs> Well, anything else? Um, well, since you mentioned the train, just that that was completely yes. horrific. Yes. That I think wow. in Pennsylvania, the, yep. uh, a man raped a woman. Uh, the altercation lasted eight minutes and every person in the car did nothing oh. until like a police officer or somebody saw like from outside while it was stopped or something like someone like 
a bystander of the bystanders had to say something. And I just don't understand. I don't understand. I don't understand. I don't understand. I, because how can you sit through a woman screaming like that for eight minutes? Like, was she knocked unconscious and it was silent? How do you, you can't, I have screamed through that. You can't, you, there's no way. Every single one of those person, people go immediately go to hell. No get out of jail free card. You do not pass go. You do not collect $200. Eternal damnation. Eight minutes? I didn't know it was eight minutes. I didn't know that. Yeah, the alter, whole altercation was eight minutes. And I just don't, was the car, like, were there no women in the car? Were the men with those women holding their back, their wives? Who, who, what? Were there only three people in the car? I couldn't read, like, I couldn't look into it further. I just saw the Twitter headline and was like, oh, I'm going to throw up. (laughs) I'm going to have an actual panic attack. And so I closed it and pretended I wasn't on a train but then I continued to ask myself and I saw a TikTok about this yesterday one on TikTok was like just for the record if you're getting raped on a train I'm killing that man and I was like do are we at a point in life in society where we have to out loud say that we would be allies to a woman getting raped on a train yeah it, that's crazy because you've heard, like growing up I heard about that constantly happening on trains in India. Um, it's just a normal thing. Have you have you heard of that as well? No. <laughs> oh, women in India. Uh, I don't, I'm, I'm guessing it still happened. That all the time, group raped on trains and just no one doing anything. I'm trying to, so I imagine, I, I, I'm, I'm sure your answer is yes. So um, you're seeing, you see a woman getting raped on a train. You're, you're willing, you're ready to give your life for that person, right? Yeah. I, th- I think so. Yeah. I, I you know, no I'd one, like to think I'm strong enough it's that like I would hijackers not die. On a plane. It's like hijackers on a plane. Well, I did read the article and I, I think it was in a really bad part of Pennsylvania. And I think people, I think some people's excuses were they were afraid that the assaultant may have a gun and may kill them or their family and stuff like that. Uh, but I, I mean, ah, I, I don't like, I don't know. Like if you're like, it's still like if you're 30 meters away on the other end of the train, maybe less. Like, but what if you were like right beside them? Like, I, I don't understand. I can't see a way that you know it's. I don't. Uh, so he was harassing like as bad her as for watching. 40 minutes. I also don't think I could I sit know through that. another woman being harassed for 40 minutes. Wow. I can't walk past someone getting catcalled aggressively alone in Toronto without be- yelling, like, go fuck yourself at that person. I've Absolutely. walked other women home. I've all- called other women Ubers. I carry a weapon. What is. <laughs> yeah, I. Yeah, that was really a, a crazy, shocking piece of news that we heard. And. Yeah, I think you'd have to do, you have to do something. You, you can't, oh, can you imagine? Like, I didn't even think about her screaming that as soon as you said that, I was more there in that train. And there's yeah, the absolutely people, I, no way that that was not like blood curdling screaming for eight minutes. If he ripped her pants off, there's absolutely no way. How are you sitting through that? That's I like sitting through someone getting stabbed beside you. I like didn't it, know it. I didn't know any of that. Yeah. <laughs> I can't. <laughs> like, that's just. It's a real, like, like what, in the world, are we just that unconnected to each other? Do we not care enough about each other? Uh, my wife always told me stories about, like, in Egypt, mm-hmm. poor people had nothing, not well-educated, but there's always a group response to anything bad that happens. Someone gets in an accident, a car accident, 
everyone from the community is running up to that car to save the person. So a woman's getting harassed like that. Well, there's a lot of harassment, but if a woman's getting violently attacked, like everyone's coming to save that woman. But in other third world countries, it happens all the time and it's a part of regular culture. And I'm just wondering, has America degraded to the point where we can watch a woman getting raped on a train? Like I grew up hearing such bad things about India because that was like the woman getting set on fire. You must've heard about this kind of stuff, like yeah. for rejecting a man, like driving yeah. by burned acid the acid yes. poured on them and just like yeah. the, the judgment we had for those countries and to know that it's happening right here in north america is is really insane yeah and <laughs> in a lot of this article they're saying that like it's sort of what you were saying about it being a bad neighborhood and so they're not surprised when they hear altercations but then the, the reporter was like but rape <laughs> yeah <laughs> really oh this isn't the yeah same. And, you know, the more, unfortunately, the more we talk about it, I read the article too, the headline, that's horrible. You have to do something. We've yeah. been talking about this for 20 minutes now. And the more we talk about it, the more and more I'm there, right? Like yeah. picturing a woman screaming for her life on a moving train with, were people getting on and off? I mean, how how far are these stops apart? Like, well, if if she got on at nine, mentality. she got on at nine, and he got on at nine fifteen, and then barraged her for forty minutes. So you would think that there must be stops about every fifteen minutes, which means that it there would have been two two groups of people getting on during just the altercation before the rape, and then another group perhaps embarking mid rape. I would scream the minute I see a man taking out his dick. How, where we're just allowing public indecency? <laughs> I'm not letting a, I'm not letting a couple even amorously fuck near me in a train. <laughs> what? Hold on. <laughs> like, take it all the way back. Yeah, no. yeah, yeah, right. You're, you're taking some videos for the gram for that. Or Absolutely or not. <laughs> no. <laughs> I'm sorry. I've had what? A few modeling pictures in two weeks ago, someone decided to pretend to steal my identity to sell porn. I'm not putting real porn on the gram. Yeah, I'm... we never followed up with you on that. <laughs> what happened there? This will be our last. I didn't want to end on such a sad note. So you tell us this TikTok uh, photo stealing porn story. I finally uh, made I it. Think, that's... I think that's enough for the people tonight. We'll wrap it up. Yeah, um, finally made it. Fine. La yeah. Last last note. I'm now famous. Um, with <laughs> one thousand six hundred followers. No, somebody. So, um, somebody took oh, some of the quick. photos I took. Thank you. Um, as the new the, account. You got that many followers that quick? My person that stole your photos. Oh, I thought you said no. someone stole your photos, made a fake fake account. They did. They don't okay. have 1600. My joke is uh, I have 1600. So that means I'm famous. It's a joke. Essentially, uh, somebody stole my pictures at the beach where I'm like wet t-shirting, if you will. And there might be a hint of a little nipple through the shirt. And they took those photos. They put them in their Instagram story saying like, want to see more by five like by by my five minute content then a photo of a vibrator on brown sheets which really offended me because i i'm a stickler for a white sheet yeah they <laughs> and should I have like, learned more about you before stealing your photos <laughs> so as not to offend you <laughs> i was completely offended by the sheets <laughs> oh my gosh also soraya pointed out that they used too many different fonts and colors of font in the story for it to oh, be me no because tax, the aesthetic no was expertise. off. I was like, Thank you. Um, but they never posted anything on the actual page. So it was really hard to report. So it was just that in the story with a link in bio to basically purchase porn. Then they followed about 
25 of my guy friends um, requesting to follow all of them. And I would oh, say about man. 18 of them uh, reached out to me and were like, is this you? A lot of them said some things they should not have said, but the majority of them just wanted to know if it was me. And I was able to turn it down and be like, absolutely not. And then ever I posted it, everyone reported it. Um, Instagram continued to say that there was nothing wrong with the profile because there was nothing posted and that there was nothing that they would do. Despite me saying that it was explicit content, it was someone to pretend, pretending like they were me. And I must have reported it six times from all of our accounts, like the black and the Maritimes account, my cat's account, my account all throughout the evening. And then when I woke up in the morning, it was just gone. Thank you, Maxwell, for your commentary. Um, so yeah, that's the story. So it's over. Um, what I learned, unfortunately, was that apparently I could have another side hustle. I just don't have the time. <laughs> but I appreciate all the men in my DMs who are like, oh, damn it. I was really hoping because oh, I'll remember that if all of this ever falls apart. I thought you were going to say people reached out to you like, Hillary, are you okay? Do you need some help? Are you down Absolutely on your not. <laughs> men with significant others said to me, damn, I was hoping. And I said, go fuck your girlfriend. That's why you're dating her. You don't need <laughs> photos of me, a person you literally know. That, anyway. no, that is an interesting note to end on. Yeah, All that's right. my life. So if people want to find the real you. Yeah, if you want to see the photos that go? got stolen. Um, Crop Berry on social media. What else? We've got the Black and the Maritimes podcast, Instagram, and TikTok. Our Twitter is just Black Maritimes, which I'm trying to tweet on now. Um, I never promote this, but my works podcast is called Community Matters and it's on YouTube. And if you're interested in community health and supporting those types of social services, since we did talk about that today, you can watch me interview people doing good things across our nation. My cat's Maxwell LeBlanc on Instagram. That's it. Follow Maxwell LeBlanc on Instagram. Myself, again, I need to practice promoting myself a bit more. But, you know, I, re I really want people to listen to the episodes. So, you know, find us, follow us uh, on, on those sites as well, as well as Spotify, Apple, Google Podcasts, Amazon. I think we might be on there by now, um, wherever you get your music. But please follow and like us. That really helps move things up and shows these streamers that we're making good content. And if you want to look for me, you can find me, Clinton Davis, on Facebook or Instagram. That's about it. Um, thanks for listening. Hi. <laughs> oh, I have to hit stop. You have to hit stop. <laughs>